Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. Norma's back. Tell back a again. friend. Really? Oh. But what yeah, about me? Me. me? I'm back too. Okay. Anyways, this is Priscilla. And this is Norma. And you're listening to It's, it's the Mystery, mystery for, for Me. And it feels like it's been a minute, probably because it has been. I think our last episode was about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But we had Martin Luther King die. And it was a much needed break, to be honest, because between doing the podcast and like TikTok content for myself and working full time, it gets to be a lot. So a break here and there. And they've been working Does the body hard. good. Yeah, they've been working me for every penny. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. you're going to earn every penny that you make here. I'm like, well, damn. This is what adulting is That's like? That's how I feel, except I'm not being paid for it. I'm being milked for every everything I, I got. It's called hazing. I mean, law school. Anyways, um, <laughs> and the last time we recorded, you were hosting, but today mm-hmm. you're back in the my comfort zone non-hosting seat which i love okay your comfort zone my comfort zone is is hosting i think mm-hmm. i like to do if both it's you yeah you know you just gotta have a, a knack for it and i just have that knack what can i say what can i say baby that's that's what it is okay so anyways in um podcast related news the biggest crime con is still happening I have not heard back from producers yet, but if you want to see Is the Mystery for Me at that convention, you should go ahead and tweet them at CrimeCon. Actually, I don't know if that's their at name for Twitter, but but if you're on Instagram, you can DM them at CrimeCon, and, or you could just leave them a comment saying that you want to see Is the Mystery for Me represented at Podcast Row at CrimeCon this year. We really appreciate that. And of course, we really appreciate the reviews on Spotify. Well, technically, it's just ratings on Spotify, but we do appreciate that. And Apple Podcast Reviews. There was one person who actually went on Apple Podcasts to just leave us a comment on there, meaning, yeah, leave us a review on there. But they normally just use Spotify. But thank you to whoever you are. That was so nice. And they mentioned it in their comment, like, I'm not on, you know, Apple Podcasts, but I came Mm -hmm. here to leave a comment. Oh, wow. So that was nice. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of y'all for listening. Now, in the true crime world right now, um, there's a lot going on. And I will say, like, specifically in, like, the black true crime world, I feel like there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. The case that I'm thinking about in particular has some sort of dating app thing to it. Have you heard of it? The Lauren Smith Fields case? From Connecticut? Yes. 
Oh, that's what we're covering today? We're not covering her. T- oh, oh. I heard your voice just become very like, wow, we're going to cover her case. No, but it's an ongoing case. And uh, I mean, there's probably enough details out there that we could cover mm-hmm. like on a full episode. But I think what's going to happen is we might just do a mini episode on her case just to bring attention to it. Yeah. I think that the media has been covering it mm-hmm. a lot more than other cases that involve people of color. Like I'm actually surprised that it's gotten so much coverage. However, it's like her family has just been very, you know, vigilant. Not to say other families weren't, but there's something about this case like that is I don't know. The media is just putting it on front page news, as they should with all cases, right? Mm-hmm. No matter the race. So stay tuned for that. I'm not going to give you guys a date because I don't want to disappoint y'all. So you're going to get it when you get it. But just know and a mini episode is coming on Lauren Smith Fields. Now turning to today's case, let's just quickly go through the sources for the episode. I watched an episode of American Monster. It's an ID discovery show. And um, that featured the person that I'm going to be talking about today, or rather the people I'm going to be talking about today, but it covers the case. And of course, I looked at a bunch of different articles, um, some from like small publication, one that's from like Hudson Valley, another one that's like ABC News, but like Georgia and, and whatnot. So like just very small news articles. I will say this. It's really hard to find very detailed articles on the case. It wasn't as like, there just wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot to look at. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was glad to find the episode. And what I liked about the episode is they really, really did a deep dive into like who she was as a person. So the majority of today's episode, I'm happy to say we'll be talking about more so like what she was up to and family and stuff like that. For more on today's sources and for pictures and all kinds of other things, you can check out our website at itsthemysteryforme.com. And that was my dog barking. Sorry. I don't think we have anything else to add. So here we go. This is the Keontae Chavez story. Keontae Chavez was born on October 31st, 1994. So she's a Halloween baby, like our sister Michelle. Michelle does the... Mm-hmm. Um, the art for our podcast. So Mm -hmm. how interesting is that? Now, I'm not really sure where she grew up because there are references and articles of her, you know, spending time in New York and then other times she's in Alabama. And, you know, at the time Mm -hmm. of her death, she does live in Alabama. But again, like it just, it wasn't super clear from the sources. Mm -hmm. She was born to young parents Nikisha, who was around 16, and Anthony, a.k.a. Tone. Um, And I think he was around 16 or 17, so it wasn't any type of weirdness going on there. As a kid, Keontae had the nickname Booby for short. And you know, I love the nickname Booby because of um, Daniel Booby Gibson on Love and Hip Hop. Hop. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, y'all. When I... Read this case, like, when I was listening to it on... I'm not listening to it. I was watching it mm-hmm. on American Monster. I DM'd Booby. <laughs> and I asked him why his name was Booby. He, he hasn't answer? answered. No? He hasn't answered. <laughs> but 
I wonder, I was trying to do research for the episode. I mean, I guess I should have asked someone in Keontae's family, but I just, I was curious about the nickname Booby. I like it. But anyways, Mm -hmm. at some point, Keontae was living with her mom's grandma, Mary. And around 1999, Nikisha, who's Keontae's mom, started college in Atlanta. So apparently at that point, Keontae was staying with grandma Mary still. She also had a grandma named Gail. And there's no distinction. Like, I know, like, Mary's her great-grandma because it's, like, her mom's grandma. Mm. And Gail is her mom's mom. But, like, on the show, as you're watching it, they just, they're just known as Grandma Mary and Grandma Gail. It's not, like, great-grandma Mary, you know? Right, right. Okay. So that also gets a little bit confusing if you watch the show. Anyways, unfortunately, Nikisha and Tone did not end up staying together, but they did, you know, have an amicable separation Mm -hmm. and were both super present in Keontae's life. And just watching Tone on the show just talk about Keontae and everything, you just could tell, like, he was an amazing dad to Keontae. And him and Nikisha, they really put her needs first. And... It just didn't seem like they had any tension whatsoever. They just agreed to co-parent, and that was that. And I wish mm-hmm. more parents did that. Because, yeah. you know, kids, you got to put your kids first, but you also have to make sure you as the adult, are you happy in the relationship? Because if you're not happy, then the kids could feel it, no matter how young they are, right? You don't have to be yeah. screaming in each other's face for the kids to be like, mom and dad don't like each other. It could just be energy. Yeah. So I could appreciate the fact that they were just really great at co-parenting. At some point, Grandma Gail moves to Alabama, and it seems like Keontae moves there with her. And I say that because later on in the episode, Keontae's mom talks about how she's in Atlanta when she hears that Keontae is missing. They don't dive too deep into, like, why is Keontae living with Grandma Gail? Um, where's Grandma Mary at? Where is Tone? But there, you could tell by, like, again, the footage that they're super involved in her life, so there has to be a reason. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just happens. Like, the kids just, you know, they're living with Grandma or Grandpa. They, you know, you don't want to uproot them from their schools. They might like it already. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. it could be a little bit of, of that, but they didn't really give too much insight into it. All right. So Keontae was also a huge fan of the Space Jam movie. And let me clarify the Michael Jordan version. I mean, who isn't? <laughs> right. The the Monstars. It's a classic. What are they called? Monstars? No. Now, now I think people so. Gonna, people are going to come for me. Isn't that what they're called? Are they? Maybe. Okay. I loved that movie growing up. We all loved it. We had the soundtrack. We danced to the soundtrack. Everybody is at the same. <laughs> so yeah, she was about to start huge... singing I Believe I Can Fly, but then I remember R. Kelly. Yeah, let's not even go there because that's another deep dive. Mm-hmm. But I say this because Keontae was quite the hooper. And they had video footage to kind of show, like, she was going up against her male cousins and leaving them in the dust, y'all. That's how good she was. Did she play in school? She did play in school. She did. But at some point in high school, it seems like she messed up her knee. And so she could not play again. Mm. And, I mean... It happens to a lot of people where they tear. I messed up my knee. Yeah, you tear your ACL, you tear something. Yeah. And then that's it. 
you know? And not because, like, sometimes it's just a lot of pressure playing on it again, and it's just, like, not worth the stress. And sometimes you really just can't play at the same, you know, at the same height as before. Mm -hmm. So to occupy her time... I mean, she she threw herself into rapping. But before we get there, I have to say, Keontae was a very, very good student. She always aimed for excellent grades and achieved them. And her dad says on the show that she really could have done it all. You know, and, and she mentioned different careers, whether it was modeling or being a veterinarian or whatever else. And, of course, the rapper part of it, too, right? And mm-hmm. it just seemed like to him that there was nothing that Keontae couldn't do. Which as a parent's pretty cool to see your kid like just like She sounds like a very ambitious girl. Ambitious. That's yeah. right. That's exactly it. She's ambitious. She's about it. And not for nothing, the mind is a powerful thing. If you put your mind to it, I know people, you know, people are like, whatever. But we could go into that another time and manifestation and positive thinking. But, you know, yeah, that's another episode. So let's talk about her rapper stage her rapper name was wonder flow instead of wonderful Hmm. yes and she was pretty inspired to get into rapping because of her cousin who everybody called little chris seems like they were around the same age um and and he rapped as well and so she was inspired and and that's kind of how she started rapping and everyone in the family if you ask them they tell you they would tell you that she was really really good at it and I, I mean, I feel like to be a rapper, especially like if you, I mean, there's one thing, there's two different types of rappers in the world. There's the ones that, there are the ones that um, have their stuff written for them and they're amazing performers. And then there's ones that like actually write the music. Or and, ones that just go in the booth and just freestyle or just, like Right, Lil or Wayne. just freestyle. And I just, yeah. I admire those people so much because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to just, for me, if you tell me to freestyle. I was thinking about that today. Yeah. That's so weird. Oh, that's funny. I was thinking like the brain power that it takes to freestyle, to write things down. Like, it's it insane. Takes a whole other. Yes. I don't know. And you have to honestly that. have a very expansive vocabulary yes, too. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you really do. Mm-hmm. Um, especially again, if you want to be the rapper that's known for their pen or lack of pen, but like you, you freestyle without a pen cause mm-hmm. you're that good. But like, yeah, it, it takes a lot. I don't know. Anytime I see something like that, like a Jay-Z, a Jay-Z to me is super talented. Mm-hmm. He's just, I mean, he doesn't even write things down. Yeah. So to me, and like when I watch them like freestyle on like Funk Master Flex show or something like on the spot, like Papoose, you have to really know what you're doing and your brain has to work at a different level that mine doesn't function at. So this I can appreciate so the so weird that we're talking. I was thinking about that today. That's weird. A few hours ago. Well, I didn't know about this episode at all. No, I don't. Do I ever but tell you, know you about what? the episodes? No. Okay, but like I am Not kind of intuitive a little bit. So that might have been Maybe what it's was. like our like kinetic. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, connection. We got a little powers over here. Like. In our blood. Irish twins power-ish. Are we Irish twins? I don't think so. No? What are Irish twins? Isn't it like born the same year? I think you're born the same year. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're not. Okay, anyways. 
Yeah, so she looked up to little Chris. They were cousins, but they were best friends slash siblings, basically. Like, that's how they acted with each other. They had that kind of rapport. After high school, Keontae decides that she wants to go to the Air Force. And in order to enter the Air Force, at least in that at that time, by the way, it's 2014. I didn't say that at the beginning, but we're now in 2014. Keontae is now 19 years old. Okay, Mm -hmm. And she's deciding she wants to join the Air Force, but you have to take a written test. At least there's a series of tests, apparently. And if you're in the Air Force and I'm wrong, just correct me, you know, comment under the picture on Instagram about this episode. But um, basically, there's a test that you have to take, like a written test at first. And so she took that and she passed with flying colors. I mean, are we surprised? Black excellence, period. Okay, Mm -hmm. she did not come to play, but. It was going to take like a few months to actually start in the Air Force, or maybe there was another test. It wasn't clear. But anyway, she had some time. Mm-hmm. And since she had some time, she decided like, I should probably just get a job, stack my coins. Like, I'm going to go work at Sam's Club. Guess who worked at Sam's Club too, y'all? Me. That's weird. Yes. Yeah. And Ryan, my brother, we worked at Sam's Club when I was 18. After high school. Yeah. Just for that summer before starting college at NYU. So basically, she she's like, let me just, you know, apply to Sam's Club and see, you know, whatever. And not going to lie, Sam's Club paid really well. When I was working at Sam's Club in 2009, summer, right? Summer of 2009? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they were paying me like $10, $10.50 an hour. Mm-hmm. That was pretty high for back then. Yeah. So... This was a smart move. Yeah, so she had an interview scheduled for August 7, 2014. But before we like get into the interview and stuff like that, let me also just plug in here that Keontae did have a boyfriend. His name was Trey. I don't think he was problematic like Trey's songs, but I don't know. Because when we get into the suspects <laughs> list, we might have to, you know. I mean, allegedly. I don't know if he was, you know, Trey's songs allegedly is prob- problematic. I don't know for sure. But anyways... This Trey, you know, Keontae's mom seemed to like him. We all, you know, Keontae, of course, really liked him. But, you know, with the parents and siblings, it could go either way, especially with the parents. We all know how that is. So the Mm -hmm. mom seemed to like him. She said that she met him on a few occasions. Um, The dad seemed like he was kind of indifferent. Like, yeah, he's an an okay guy. And Grandma Gail's boyfriend was not a huge fan of Trey at all. I don't know what it is. He And he literally said this in a police interview later on. I don't know what it is, but something about him just don't sit right with me. He said something to the effects of that. So, yeah. There wasn't much information given on Trey as far as, like, how long had they been together and things like that. That's a question mark as well. We just know that she was pretty happy in her relationship with Trey. We're now at the day before her murder-ish I don't want to be too specific because... Wait, so she she applied to work at Sam's Club right. August 7th, 2014, no. or...? Well, she applied, but her interview was going to be August 7th. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's deep dive into those days. Um, Keontae's mom talked to her on August 6th, and she told her that they would talk later on that day or early the next morning because they were just going to talk about, like, interview stuff. But also, like, her and her mom were super close, so they talked all the time. Her mom is not able to reach her on August 7th, and she calls Grandma Gail. So Grandma Gail, again, is Keontae's mom's mom, 
Like, that's her actual mom, too. Do you know what I mean? What? Okay. How's it her? Who's actual mom? What are you saying? <laughs> I'm right sorry. Now? That sounded crazy. <laughs> Grandma Gail is Keontae's. Is Nikisha's mom. Who, okay. Is Keontae's mom's. Keontae's grandmother. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I should say that. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, so damn. All right. Okay. Anyway, she calls Grandma Gail. And she basically says to Grandma Gail, um, you know, do you know where Keontae is? Because remember, Keontae lives at Grandma Gail's house. And Grandma Gail said, no, I haven't seen her since yesterday. And her mom was like, okay, so like when you saw her yesterday, like, you know, when's the last time you saw her and that kind of thing? And she says, the last time I saw Keontae was like before she left the house. But what happened was Keontae leaves the house and her car breaks down. By the way, we are in Alabama now, folks. Alabama, Phoenix City, Alabama is like where this, you know, this kind of takes place. Um, And some of it takes place in Seal, Alabama. But anyways, so grandma says to her, well, you know, I talked to Keontae before she left the house. But after she left the house, Keontae did call me because her car broke down. Basically, she said because little Chris was already outside, like maybe he was running errands. I don't know. She just said, little Chris, can you just go check on Keontae and help her with the car? And so he did. He went and checked on Keontae. He helped her out with the car. By the way, when when Grandma Gill is telling Keontae's mom this over the phone, little Chris is there. So Grandma Gill says to him, like, okay, where's Keontae? And he's like, I dropped her off at Trey's house last night. So Grandma's like, what the hell? Um, That's weird. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, Trey is her boyfriend, so that would make sense. But where was Keontae now? So Mm -hmm. Keontae's mom actually calls Sam's Club to see if she went in for the interview. Maybe her phone died, maybe whatever. She never went in for the interview. And that's not like Keontae at all. So at this point, everybody is on edge. So Grandma Gill goes to the Phoenix City Police. Again, Phoenix, not Arizona, Alabama. Mm. She goes to the police and she goes to report Keontae missing because Keontae's mom is actually still in Atlanta at this point. And her dad is also not in the Alabama area. I don't know where he lives. Um, Mm -hmm. He eventually flies in, but it's not clear. So they go and you know what the cops told them, y'all, that they have a 24 hours rule. Keontae is 19. She's grown. You know, most missing people end up turning up Mm -hmm. and that they couldn't do anything for the family right at that moment. Well, how long had it been between her missing and and the grandma going to to the police station? I think it had. Okay, so Keontae, little Chris, says that he saw her on August 6th, the night before the interview, Mm -hmm. and that he had dropped her off like late early in the wee hours of like the August 7th morning actually, on the day of her interview. Yeah. So you figure the mom calls at around noon to look for Keontae. So you figure it's been, like, maybe less than 12 hours that she's been missing. Mm. But again, it's still, like, it's red flags for the family who know Keontae and know, like, okay, she's not the type of girl who's going to miss interviews. She's not not someone who's not going to call. Like, she just always was in communication with her family about her whereabouts. On the show, they say that Keontae's dad flew into Atlanta, and then from there, like, they made their way to Alabama to Grandma Gail's house, and they try to basically figure out, like, what the hell is going on here? 
I don't know, like, the progress. They don't really talk about, like, searching and stuff like that. I'm sure they did. But it just Mm -hmm. didn't go into details on the show. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and get to the part that you guys already know. Because if you're listening to this episode, you're listening to this podcast, you know, like, eh, the happy endings, very, very scarce. Okay? So... Grandma Gail goes back two days later. It's now like August 9th. And obviously it's been like 24 hours has passed to file the report. And I think they end up actually taking the report. But I think fate beats them to the punch in terms of like the police going out and searching and solving the case. No, a family who is like just wandering down like some dirt road in Seal, Alabama, which is about like apparently 15 miles from Phoenix City, mm-hmm. Alabama. Um, so they just stumble across a body on the side of the road. And the body is badly decomposed because of the heavy rain and the heat. Oh, my gosh. Right. So they immediately reported to the police. So again, like, so the grandma, Grandma Gail had gone back. And this time, I'm sure the family went too. Mm -hmm. Mom, dad, everybody, right? And then within a few hours, they get this call that a body has been found. Now, of course, they need somebody to ID the body. And Grandma Mary also is there. And Grandma Mary and Grandma Gail decide that they would be the ones to ID the body. Now, on the show, they say that it's because... They didn't want Keontae's parents to stay with this memory of her if it was, in fact, her. Mm. They just didn't want her, them to have to, you know, when they thought of Keontae, to think of that image. Because once you see someone laying like that, it's so hard to get it out of your head. Keontae's grandmas, one being her great-grandma, right? They go in to ID the body, and unfortunately, it is Keontae. Mm. Right. Because... I don't think that her parents, Anthony and Nakisha, I don't I don't know if they have other kids. I was going to ask you that in the beginning. Yeah. It doesn't come up on the show. And like I said, there's not too many like there's not too many sources available for the mm-hmm. episode, but yeah. But I will say this, it seems like Keontae's the only child they shared together, right? So that was yeah. the connection to each other. And it's their first child, right? And mm-hmm. they had her really young. So they have this like they have this bond with each other. They have this bond with Keontae. So to hear this must have been beyond devastating. Mm-hmm. So what does a medical examiner have to say about this and how she died? They said that she was strangled, that she suffered from blunt force trauma, and that she was repeatedly hit in the face. So let's just turn to suspects, shall we? Mm-hmm. You got anybody on your list? Well, definitely the boyfriend. Okay. Um, yeah. That's really all I got so okay. far. So let's talk Unless about... Unless it's a random stranger. Right. So let's talk about the suspects. Let's start with Trey and stuff, and, and, we'll, and we'll go down the list. But Trey is her boyfriend, um, and so the police do bring Trey in for questioning. But let me rewind a little bit before that. Before they bring Trey in for questioning, they do question her family at, on the same day that her body's found, so August 9th. Okay, um, at that point, little Chris is nowhere to be found. He's just on the road. Apparently, he's headed to Florida, depending on the source. 
says he I'm was sorry, in August, Florida or August, New York. I'm sorry, August 9th, and she disappeared August 7th. How is it so badly decomposed? Because of heavy rain and the heat. And remember, your Within body's... two like, days? Yes, yes. And you're also exposed to just nature and animals and stuff like that. You'd be surprised. I wouldn't think, you know, like two days, though. But okay, yeah. sorry yeah. for interrupting. Right, it's okay. So Chris was like kind of nowhere to be found. Um, I shouldn't say that. He made it, he Chris. was on... Yeah, little Chris, her cousin. Oh, her cousin. Okay. Yeah, little Chris. He, um... He made it known that he was going to Florida. Some sources said he goes to New York. Um, he eventually ends up in New York to visit his mom. Um, but he's on the road to Florida, so cops have to call him to talk to him. You know what? I was going to talk about Trey and what he said, but I want to rewind a little bit more and talk about Keontae's family and what they said because they're interviewed first. Mm-hmm. And so basically... Her other cousin, Todd, gives a timeline of basically translating what Chris told him on a phone call. Because he said he called Chris just to see, like, what the deal was, right? And this is the timeline that Todd shares with cops. He says that Chris told him that they did go to Trey's house, right? And this is around probably 6.30 or 7 o'clock on August 6th. Mm-hmm. So this would have been after her car had broken down and stuff like that. They weren't specific about the time her car broke down. And honestly, it's neither here nor there. Um, so they go to Trey's house and they're hanging out with Trey. They're hanging out with Trey's cousin, Garrett, who's there as well. Garrett lives with Trey. And then they go and get food. They go to Burger King, apparently. And then they end up also going to the liquor store. And at around probably one or two in the morning, Chris then drops um, Keontae off at Trey's house again. So this is, again, a timeline that Todd is given. That's her other cousin. So now that we know that timeline, let's talk about Trey and Trey's timeline and Garrett, because they bring Garrett in, too. I mean, Garrett lives with Trey, so they're just like, might as well. So Trey says that, yes, Keontae was at his house with Chris. He came back from work, actually, on that day, August 6th, at around 6.30 and 7, and he saw Keontae and Chris sitting on the porch talking to his cousin Garrett. He said that he didn't spend too much time with them because he had to go back to work, and that when he went back to work, Chris and Keontae were still there. Now, what time he went back to work? Probably, I would say, between 8 and 9 p.m. So they do, of course, check Trey's alibi and his alibi completely checks out and they cross him off the list immediately. Now they turn to Garrett, his cousin. Now, I think their their interest is sparked with Garrett for like maybe two reasons. One, because he lives there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is because Garrett um, has had quite a few run ins with the cops. They don't tell the viewers, um, you know, what those run-ins are, but he has an ankle monitor on. So for them, they're like, red flag. Okay, let's talk to the cousin. So Garrett says, okay, yeah, exactly the story that Trey gives. And then he says that, you know, after Trey leaves, that Keontae and Chris at around 9 p.m. say say that they're going to go get food and that they'll be right back. But they actually never came back and and they again they had said this around 9 p.m 
So there's a very easy way for the cops to check his alibi. And how is that? With his ankle monitor. Okay. And they check the ankle monitor and it places him at the house the entire night. And the entire Mm -hmm. time he says that he was there. So at this point, they're like, okay, what the hell is going on here? They are stumped because, and the family is stumped too, because they just can't imagine anybody hurting Keontae. She was minding her business, living her life, Mm -hmm. you know, having like had a great relationship with Trey, apparently great relationship with family and her parents and friends, like friends aren't mentioned too much, but like they make it known like, okay, this, it it just seems outrageous that this would happen. But I think that's, I think that's a lot of people's sentiment when it happens to their loved one. Like this is outrageous. All right, so let's turn a little bit more to to little Chris because he was the last person that saw her. He, technically, so they gotta, you know, it might rub him the wrong way, but they have to ask some questions. Mm-hmm. It's not clear how many days have passed, but Chris is now in New York, in Platkill, New York. I'm from New York, and I don't even know if I said that right. But this is according to the Hudson Valley Post article that I read online, because his mom lived there. And his relationship to Grandma Gail, he was Grandma Gail's nephew. So that means that Grandma Gail's sister or brother would have been his parent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I hope it does make sense. So the only reason they're really attracted to, to Platkill, to be honest, is because some sort of fight breaks out in Platkill, New York. Now, it's not clear who the fight is among. Like, who's involved in this fight is mm-hmm. unclear. I feel like this fight was Keontae related because the person making the call, I think it was his mom or it was someone close to him. I think it, I don't know if it was I don't think it was any of the grandmas, but they were basically saying like that someone's trying to beat up Chris and like that they were fighting outside and stuff like that. So the Platkill police went over and I don't know how this happens, but they arrest him. They're not clear mm-hmm. on why they arrest him. They just arrested him. And when they arrest him, guess what? He immediately lawyers up. Yeah, so I don't mean to confuse y'all, but yeah, they were not clear on like why he was arrested. Was he arrested because it was like he was beating up people? Was he arrested because the Alabama police like felt like maybe he had something to do with Keontae and they called Platkill and asked him, asked them to arrest him? It's not clear. All I know is that he lawyered up when they arrested him and they take pictures of him when he's arrested. They take pictures of his hands, his whole body, basically, his chest, all that stuff. They basically see on his chest that there's a mark. It looks like a bite mark. He lawyers up, but then you guys, I don't know if y'all know, but if you're in jail or in prison, any phone call you make is recorded. So it can be used against you in court. Sometimes you think like, I'm smart, I lawyered up. And then you start talking on the phone and all of a sudden... Now they got you on candid camera. But anyways, so he's on the phone. It doesn't say who he's on the phone with. It sounded like an older woman. Like he was very close with like his mom, his grandma and stuff like that. Like I'm mm-hmm. talking family favorite, y'all. Um, and so he says on the phone, like, yeah, you know, they arrested me and um, I have a bite mark on my chest, but it's from two weeks ago. Yeah. So. I'm thinking at this point, it has Mm -hmm. to be 
mid-August. Because if it's mid-August and it's from two weeks ago, it would have been from what? Like August 1st is the bite mark, right? It would not have to do with Keontae at all because Keontae, everything happens with her August 6th, August 7th, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking they're talking to him mid-August. So the cops hear this and they go ahead and they call his girlfriend who they know lives in Florida and they ask her if, you know, she was the one who left the damn bite mark on him. Remember, like at the beginning, how I said he was kind of like he went to Florida first and all that stuff. So they did call her and she's like, I don't know what the hell y'all talking about. I invite that man. So again, red flag. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then on the ABC nine news site, this is the Georgia site. They said that he actually had a warrant out for his arrest at the time for domestic violence. And it describes him as having a violent past, but it doesn't give any more details. Right. So now I'm like, little Chris, are you a little murderer? Let's talk about it. I have to wonder. Gotta wonder. Yeah. And let me tell you, little Chris, they name him little Chris, but he ain't little. <laughs> Just put it that way. Interesting. Interesting name. They did um, impound his car and stuff like that. They're telling him they're extraditing him from New York because they really think that he is Keontae's murderer. So they extradite him back to Alabama and they check the phone records and the phone records show his phone pinging off a tower that was about one mile from when her, where her body was found. Mm-hmm. And the time of the ping was at 3 a.m. on August 7th, the day of her interview. So in the wee hours of that morning. Well, damn. Well, damn. Here we are. At this point, they're like, uh-uh. What kind of coincidence is this? What are the chances of your cell phone pinging off a tower that's one mile from her body mm-hmm. on the day that, like, this murder might have happened? Because at this point, the autopsy is out. They're trying to estimate. They're not really saying when it happened, but they just know, right? Like, she went missing after she was last seen with you, okay? Trey has placed her with you. His cousin placed her with you. Your grandma placed her with you. Mm-hmm. Okay? So at this point, it's like one plus one is two. Okay? Now, I should have mentioned earlier that they did not get footage from, like, the Burger King or wherever they went to for food. But they did get footage from the liquor store. And it did show them at the liquor store at around 11 p.m on August 6th. Mm. And Keontae was walking, like, Keontae seemed totally fine. She was walking with Chris. Everything was good. Like, they were just chatting it up. They got their alcohol and they left. So, again, like, that was just more proof, like, okay, you were still with her. I mean, but he wasn't saying he wasn't. He did say, like, well, I did these things with her and then I took her back. But the problem was they can't confirm him taking her back, right? Like, Garrett says that's not the case. Like, mm-hmm. I waited on the porch for them, right? And then Trey is like, I wasn't even home. I was at work. But when I got home, she wasn't even there. Now, did Trey try to text her? Like, try to call her? They did not give any details about, like, her cell phone records, any texts, mm-hmm. any calls, like, things like that. Mm-mm. They didn't do a deep dive into that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what else they had on Chris. All right. So they did test his car. And guess what? They found Keontae's blood on the inside of the roof. On the inside of the roof. Right. That's kind of weird. Like on the top. 
The episode does not say much about the bite I mean, mark. you said blunt force trauma oh, wait, no, is I how think... she died. So, right. like, he must have been hitting her in the face? She, he in, was... In the car? I think he was... That would explain... I think he would have... Yeah, I think that's exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. As far as the bite mark, I think they do go on to test it and that her DNA is there as well. But... Again, like, other... How would they be able to test if her DNA is on the bite mark? I don't know. Isn't it saliva? Yeah, but, like, I'm th- did he not shower? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. No, you're right. I, I don't know. I don't remember the show doing a deep dive, actually, into the bite mark and whether or not her DNA was there. Because mm-hmm. I would think saliva. But you're saying... Unless it's, like, teeth mark. I don't know. It looked like teeth mark. No, like, if they're comparing it to her teeth. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't remember the show talking about this. Y'all probably thinking, watch it again, Priscilla. I watched it two times. <laughs> so let's talk about it because they had enough to take him to trial in August of 2017. Yes, it's been three years at that point since Keontae was murdered. And yes, you have a right to a speedy trial. But sometimes, like, again, there's always loopholes to it. That's what we teach you on these episodes, right? The Constitution, the laws, there are loopholes. So, yeah, him waiting for three years before his trial to start, I mean, it's not, it's not shocking to me. Anyways, the trial happens, and in September of 2017, he is sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. And his, her family is still left wondering why. And her dad actually gives an account of what he thinks happened in the car. He feels like Chris is probably was probably either like obsessed with her or liked her or something like that. Maybe he tried to make a move on her mm-hmm. and she either said no or she said something like, I'm going to tell my dad, I'm going to tell my, you know, I'm going to tell everybody. And, you know, like the family loved Chris. I mean, they really protected this kid this whole time. That's what made the episode. Honestly, I was like really intrigued watching it because I'm just like, wow. Like I would I would be curious to see what the courtroom looked like. Were they Mm -hmm. sitting on his side, some of them? And then, you know, right, because it's a murder that that happened within the family. Like, yes. Yes, and they all, like, I mean, really loved him. So like, this blood was related. really shocking. Have we, have we even had a, a case like this where it's, like, blood-related? Not, like, no. not like a spouse or, you know, partner no. murdering, but, like, an actual blood-related I relative. I don't think so. I don't wow. think we've covered a case like this. That makes it even more sad because sad. you think you know that person. Right. And that kind, that's kind of what her dad tells the press, and this comes up in the Monster and Critics article. He says, quote, A lot of young, beautiful women in the family now have to take into consideration not just predators outside, but sometimes it can be a predator inside the family circle, end quote. And mm. he, no lies there, right? No lies there. Damn, you really can't trust anyone. You really can't. It'd be your own damn family. Mm-hmm. Your own damn family. I bet nobody is calling him now. I bet grandma not picking up them damn calls now. She probably is because that's her, you know, at the end of the day, it's like that's the grandchild. You well, know? I don't know. I don't know. It might be her grandchild. Well, technically it's like her nephew. But no. It's so sad because Keontae looked up to him. 
was he, how much older was he? I thought he they wasn't were the same that much age. older. Yeah, oh. they were around the same age. Okay. And I should I should have also said that you know he like I said he's bigger in stature, so it was it it probably was she probably put up a fight, but against him, someone his size, like it was probably impossible to win that fight. Mm-hmm. But I know that her family must be crushed over this because this somebody, if it's your cousin, you know, they they don't spend holidays with you. They don't spend all this time with your family. You know what I'm saying? They got Christmas gifts. I want a refund on all those damn gifts. Okay. Should have gave his ass coal every year. Mm-hmm. But he has to think about this in prison for the rest of his life because he ain't getting no damn parole like he's going to die in prison. That's so sad. Like, it's just such a pointless, like for what selfish killing, and and so for what? Selfish. Like, what are you? What are you getting out of it? Like, you know, you could be in the heat of the moment, but like, you gotta just right. reel it in because yeah. that one instance can change your life forever and change that per- that other person's life, it the victim's life, so and many their families lives. and loved ones. Like, one action can change so many people's mm-hmm. lives. And just not he worth it. just snapped and literally could give two shits. I mean, look, he was already on the run. That should have been a sign to the family that something was up. He went to the station to report her missing, and then you're gone before they found the body? Like, you just on the road? And that's your cousin? That's your that's, favorite cousin? That's weird. Yeah. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, uh-uh. Some, some don't smell right in this water. Something stinking. Mm-hmm. It starts with, I don't know. It rhymes with little bitch. Wait, does Chris rhyme with bitch? No. Oh, just damn. Not. Well, I tried. <laughs> I tried. We send well wishes to Keontae's family and friends, um, you know, who have had to deal with this tragedy. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Every week we bring you guys these stories we feel like these stories need a platform. A lot of the times, the stories of black women are ignored in the media. And so this is our, you know, our goal every week is just to bring light to these cases. You know, no matter how dark the case is, right? Yeah. You know, it's morbid, but it's like, we feel compelled to do it. And we do it just for that reason only. Mm-hmm. We don't get paid for this. Nothing, right? Like, this is just what we've decided to do, and we've stuck with it. And because of you guys and the supporters, we've continued, and it has really motivated us, especially on days where we're, like, tired, and it's been a long work day and stuff. We think mm-hmm. about, like, the comments that we receive from people just saying how much they appreciate the show, how much they, you know, really, like you know, just support the podcast generally. And I think that's what keeps us going. That's what keeps me going. Yeah. So keep them comments coming, y'all. Keep them comments coming. And that is the Keontae Chavez story. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of It's the Mystery for Me. So stay tuned. And of course, stay safe out there. See you next Tuesday. Bye. (laughs) 